0: What's going on and welcome into a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by Seakeek. I'm Daniel Salerson, and it's a game day for New Orleans here in New Orleans as they take on the Washington Wizards to wrap up a two-game homestand and the Pelicans will hit the road for the Thanksgiving holiday. They'll be in Salt Lake City, Utah for two games Friday and Saturday and wrap up the trip on Monday in Los Angeles. And Los Angeles is where you can find Ben Goliver who covers the NBA for the Washington Post, he's been on before, the author of Bubble Ball. We had him on to talk about the book, and he's kind enough to join us today just to talk about the NBA's. we're about 20 games in uh, for some teams as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. Ben, first off, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Hope all is well.
1: Well, thanks so much, and right back at you. It's uh, it's a nice time of year getting into the holiday season, and obviously that means a lot of basketball too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing your Pelicans here in L.A. in the not-too-distant future. And of course, like I'm sure a lot of Pelicans fans, I'm looking forward to the next time we get to see Zion, because uh, I know we, we talked about that, I think maybe even before the draft or, or right after the draft, just what an impact player he could be. So uh, I'm I'm counting down, just like I'm sure your listeners are too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We are counting down. Before I get into the Pelicans, as you just brought it up, I did want to ask if you have, for the holidays, if you asked for the Kyle Kuzma sweater, is that part of your Christmas <laughs> wish list for this season?
1: Uh, Look, I I don't look great in baggy clothes just in general, and I definitely don't look good in pink. So I'm going to pass on that. I also heard it was $1,700. So I think I'm going to be, you know, instead of buying that sweater, if you've got enough money for that, just donate some money to charity, you know, send out some Thanksgiving meals. I think there's, there's better ways to spend that kind of dough.
0: I feel like my grandma can knit that for $50. So I'm not sure even how that's oh. worth
1: $1,700, but maybe, man, I just,
0: it was very interesting to see how fashion has really picked up in the NBA, but I just wanted to make sure to make, see if you were covered for the holidays with that sweater. So I'm glad to know well, that.
1: <laughs> if I were you, I'd start an eBay business, man. It sounds like she's got some skills and, you know, certainly there's demand, you know, you can, uh, get into the NBA niche player market, you can make a lot of money. So, uh good luck.
0: I like where this is headed. I might have to start that once I get done with this podcast. But yeah, you mentioned <laughs> you'll be able to see the Los Angeles Clippers in uh, the Pelicans on, on Monday here as the Pelicans embark on that three game road trip. But from afar, and I know, of course, the Pelicans have struggled this year just three wins. They've dealt with a, a number of injuries, a number of new players, and more importantly, a new head coach. Uh, what have you seen from afar? What have you kind of heard, you know, at least from the hiring of Willie Green? Because you know, we've talked about, you know, where he's come from as far as his coaching days with Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors, Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns, and everyone was talking about the high praise of what Willie Green brings to a, to a team. And I know uh, from his standpoint, he'd probably like to see things go better so far. But what have you what have you seen from afar from this Pelicans team?
1: Well, you know, obviously, it's been a tough start. I would draw a distinction, though, between, say, New Orleans and Houston, right? Those are two teams that have been down, you know, towards the bottom of the Western Conference standings. I mean, for New Orleans, it's an obvious explanation, right? Brandon Ingram, all-star-level player, Zion, all-star-level player, franchise-level player, really – so you take those two guys out, it's going to put everybody in a really tough spot. And like, you know, the Rockets, for example, they've had their guys, you know, they're choosing not to play John Wall. And so they're on this situation where they're just dropping games, but, you know, there's no help around the corner. And I think that puts them into a tougher spot. Now with New Orleans, you know, help is coming at some point and you're just kind of trying to hold down the fort. I give Willie Green a lot of credit because he's had a ton thrown at him, you know, in his, uh, you know, first year as a head coach. I mean, that's not exactly how you would want it to go where, you know, you're dealing with the foot injury and an uncertain timeline and and those kinds of things, or you're dealing with a a really stable rock type player in Brandon Ingram who has held your team down previously when Zion's missed time. And just to be without both of those guys for stretches of the first month is tough, but uh, you know, he's, I think he's got a steady personality. That's kind of what I've heard. I understand that he's very kind of like well-liked and popular and has a a nice demeanor to him. Um, Obviously I remember watching him as a player. I mean, not the super, you know, flashiest guy, but he knew how to get the job done. And I guess that's kind of how I'd see the, the start there for the Pelicans, but their story is still to be written, you know? And I think that the tricky part in the Western conference is that you've got a bunch of teams that are really hungry this year to make that play in mix. I would put the Pelicans in that mix. I would say, you know, the Sacramento Kings are in that mix, you know, San Antonio, they don't want to have a write-off season. They're trying to be as competitive as possible as well, even though they're not super talented. So there could be a really fun race there, you know, developing for that Tennessee Minnesota, is desperate to get into that mix as well. So, uh, I'm preaching patience still, you know, I don't want to count uh, new Orleans out. We saw the kind of big time impact on wins and losses Zion could have last year and the impact he had on their offensive efficiency, uh, with his incredible scoring and ability to get to the free throw line and all that stuff. So, um, I think that, uh, you know, the, the main takeaway so far is Willie green is doing his best to hold down the fourth.
0: Yeah absolutely and you saw unfortunately what happened with the Pelicans last night against Minnesota they are a team that is pretty hungry right now and the Kings going through a coaching change so plenty of basketball left but there obviously is concern about digging yourself in too big of a hole in that Western Conference to be ready to compete for a spot when Zion gets back but I kind of want to talk about the Western Conference in general and look uh, even in the East you know when you're talking about 20 games in and Really, you know, I think it's too early to be like, all right, who's the best team in the NBA or who's out there? I think parity this year just seems like uh, it's really balanced right now. And you're kind of looking at so many different teams that are like, wow, you know, they're playing some really good basketball right now. Are you seeing the same thing or are you having a couple teams that stick out to, to be the front runners right now?
1: No, that's really well said. It is. A, it is a season of parity. I think injuries have played a part in that. I mean, when you don't have Kawhi Leonard, you don't have Ben Simmons and you don't have Kyrie Irving that really dramatically changes three teams that, you know, could really be like top seeds in their conference and pulls them back to earth a little bit. Now I would give a lot of credit to Kevin Durant for how well he's held it down in Brooklyn uh, without Kyrie Irving. You know, it's not as pretty and as fun and as free flowing and as high scoring as it was last year for the Nets, but they're winning a lot of games. I mean, they're right there back at the top of the conference and they've been grinding them out late in games. Katie has just been phenomenal and James Harden's starting to come along a little bit as well. So Um, You know, I do think that's one situation where there's a little bit of a warping effect. I mean, I do think the the injuries and the absences are, you know, impacting that parity and and pulling some of these teams back to earth. You know, I came into the season kind of expecting Brooklyn and Milwaukee to be the top two teams um, in the league. And I think it's actually been two Western Conference teams instead. Golden State and Phoenix, to me, have been the two best teams from a, a balance standpoint, offense and defense, but also a chemistry standpoint to start the season. And when you're talking about all these teams with parity and kind of similar talent, chemistry winds up being the biggest tiebreaker, the biggest difference maker. And look no further than the Warriors. They're right back to playing like they did in 2015. Stephen Curry is out of his mind shooting. Draymond Green's back to a defensive player of the year uh, level impact. And everybody else is buying into their roles around those guys. And you just see how much fun. It's infectious. Like I said, it's right back to where it was when it was kind of a carnival ride in 2015. and so. I think Golden State's absolutely for real. And I think Phoenix is just, you know, kind of quietly lurking beneath the surface, you know, letting Golden State get all the attention. But they just keep winning game after game after game with Chris Paul at the helm, you know, closing teams out and then playing very strong on both sides of the basketball as well. And uh, they brought their whole team back essentially from last year. So their chemistry bonds were already strong. And they survived some of that early season, uh, you know, Robert Sarver discussion about the investigation uh, right on top of it. You know, that that just shows you they've got good internal leadership with uh, Chris Paul and Monty Williams. So to me, the story has been parody, but it's also been, hey, some of these Western Conference powers have popped up that maybe we didn't expect.
0: Maybe one of the quietest 13-game winning streaks you'll find with the Phoenix Suns. It is amazing (laughs) that they keep winning. But, yes, some people are talking about it, but it's not really striking the headlines as other teams that they were going on that role. So I believe you. Uh, when you talk about that, um, let's focus on the Los Angeles teams. One of them, the Pelicans will face, as we mentioned, in the Los Angeles Clippers. They have been the Clippers before. They caught them on the back end of a long road trip that they're ready to come back from. Um, but at the same time, too, you have the Los Angeles Lakers that I think everyone's trying to figure out what they are like. And I know you've done some work on what the Lakers look like. And look, uh, we saw yesterday for the first time in his 19 years that LeBron James is suspended by the NBA against the New York Knicks. Uh, something that, again, we haven't seen. Um, what are you seeing from those two Los Angeles teams? I know the Clippers are still without Kawhi Leonard and are still playing above 500 ball. So you're still trying to figure out what they look like. And then the Lakers, who have a ton of new pieces, too, trying to figure out how all those guys can, can blend together. What are you seeing from those two squads?
1: Yeah, well, starting with the Clippers, because they're coming up for the Pelicans. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's a very good team that when Paul George has it going, it's very tough to beat. I mean, he can really fill it up. I think he's actually been the best player in Los Angeles this season. He's outplayed LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's not something that I'd expected. Now, obviously, injuries have gotten in the way for LeBron, but Paul George has just been in a great groove, and it hasn't been one of those stretches where he's just making every single shot. You know, we've seen that before where he just gets red hot for like a month straight. Uh, It's just been all-around leadership. Uh, you know, on the offensive end, being the number one option and being the locker room guy in the absence of Kawhi Leonard and and holding it down. He's done a great job doing that. He's hit lots of big shots in key moments and they've got a great, um, you know, a, a great internal spirit about them. You know, Reggie Jackson's a really important player for them. He's been an amazing fit. He has a very close friendship with Paul George. And those are the two guys who are really driving the success for the Clippers. Now, they're beatable. Uh, you know, if Paul George happens to be off, if he goes through a little bit of a cold stretch, they do struggle to find other sources of offense. They're very reliant upon him to play well. So, you know, that's not a team that's like a juggernaut. You know, they're good, but they're not, uh, they're not great, at least not until they get Kawhi Leonard back. Uh, they do like to play small. It's a very entertaining style. They move the basketball around. Typically, they only have one big man on the court. And I believe they're, uh, right now they're without Nicholas Batum who's been a very key piece for them as a supporting three-point shooter and also just a versatile defensive weapon as well. I think he's in the COVID protocol. So uh, that's kind of where the Clippers stand. Their games have been fun to watch, man. I think the crowd is really starting to, to rally around this group because they didn't have a lot of expectations, and uh, they're overachieving. You know? they, and they're, they're just kind of uh, you know, a good time as well. Like they, they play with a nice spirit. They're unselfish. They move the basketball, and the crowds are pretty happy. Now, I would contrast that with the Lakers, who have had a really rocky start. I mean, it's been really up and down. The fit with Russell Westbrook has not been immediate. Uh, LeBron James has missed, you know, more than half the season to date uh, because of injuries. And I've just sensed a restless energy around LeBron. Like, when he was out injured, he just – he didn't even want to just, like, sit on the bench. You know, he walks over and talks to celebrities. Then he goes out to center court to argue with officials And in some of the games they've lost, he's actually left the bench early to go back to the locker room. And so you just get this sense of like, things aren't quite right. He doesn't quite feel settled. And then you see that uh, suspension that you mentioned, uh, you know, after that kind of ugly scene with Isaiah Stewart. And it it felt like, you know, maybe some of that frustration coming out in that moment, like he just snapped a little bit. I I thought it was a reckless play from him. I thought he deserved the ejection and he did deserve the, uh, the suspension as well. And so, you know, from that standpoint, like when your leader is, you know, not necessarily feeling like he's in a great spot, I think everybody else on that team, you know, kind of falls into line after that. And it it winds up being, uh, you know, a pretty uh, just all around frustrating situation. And so we'll see how they're, they're able to pull themselves together. You know, Anthony Davis needs to have a bigger impact. Russell Westbrook has to do a better job of taking care of the ball. And then as a team, the Lakers must play a lot better defense. They just leak points They don't try very hard, uh, you know, in terms of helping each other out. And they're just missing a lot of those dirty work players they had last year. You know, a guy like Contavious Caldwell Pope or Alex Caruso or even Kyle Kuzma was was really improved at doing the little things for the Lakers. They just miss those guys badly and they don't have a lot of those types of players on this year's team.
0: We're talking about teams that the Pelicans will play on this uh, West coast road trip, the Utah jazz are the team they'll play twice here in the next couple of days. And I know you've had a conversation with Dwayne Wade, who is now part of the Utah jazz organization. And of course their G league affiliate was able to draft Dwayne Wade's son, but I'm just curious more from the standpoint of Dwayne Wade's involvement with Utah jazz and how that's kind of affected their organization, whether it's, you know, guys like Donovan Mitchell, who has a good relationship with Dwayne Wade and, you know, as they try to, you know, get over the hump as a team that's been at the top of the West for a couple of years now and haven't been able to get past, you know, the Western Conference Finals to get into the NBA Finals. How do you see Dwayne Wade fitting into that organization?
1: Well, you know, it's fascinating how he's made the transition from his playing career uh, to retirement. Uh, You know, I don't know if you've been seeing all these uh, comments made by Scotty Pippen recently, just like how angry he is at Michael Jordan, just saying all this outlandish stuff. And you're just wondering, like, what's going on wrong in Scotty Pippen's life? And I was talking to Dwayne Wade because he was doing his own book tour, just like Scotty Pippen was. And the contrast couldn't have been any greater. You know, Dwayne Wade's just sounded like he's so comfortable, so happy in retirement. He's, uh, you know, like you mentioned, helping his son try to have a basketball career. Uh, you know, he's been hosting TV shows. He's been, uh, you know, a color commentary or uh, studio commentating uh, about the NBA. He's got his hands in all these different things. But what he says is really exciting to him about ownership is to just get himself into different boardrooms, into different meetings um, with, you know, high level movers and shakers, the kinds of people that, you know, uh, most of us would never be able to like, you know, interact with on a, a personal basis and learn from them and kind of plan the next step of his business growth. I mean, this guy is really plotting a Magic Johnson or Michael Jordan-like post-career empire. I mean, that's really what he has his mind on, right? I mean, I think ultimately he would love to be uh, an owner of his own team maybe at some point. I mean, obviously that requires like billions of dollars now, uh, but I think he's had a a great opportunity to just dip his toes into the ownership uh, ranks with the Utah Jazz. It's been a really clean fit. A lot of people do compare him to Donovan Mitchell, and that's been a very symbiotic relationship. I mean, Dwayne Wade has been one of Donovan Mitchell's biggest champions, and de- deservedly so. I mean, Mitchell has uh, you know, been one of the brightest young stars in the NBA here over the last couple of years and has really stepped up in the playoffs, much like Dwayne Wade always used to do. You know, it would have some great postseason performances. So I think even though it, it kind of raised everybody's eyebrows, like why is this Miami Heat legend, you know, joining the Utah Jazz, it's actually wound up being a a really good fit and it's helping Dwayne Wade reach his goals that he's got for the next 10 years.
0: Fascinating I think is the great word to describe Dwayne Wade and it is kind of it really is fascinating to see what he's been able to do in such a short amount of time since retirement. Last thing before I let you go and probably the most important question of the day is your go-to side dish here on Thanksgiving as we approach the holiday. I know Turkey is obviously a given for our for everyone involved for the most part, but what's your go-to dish that you you like to, you know, tackle on Thanksgiving day?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I skipped the turkey. I was never a big turkey guy, but I actually went vegetarian in 2014. So I skip the turkey entirely. <laughs> what I like to do, I mean, I'm, obviously I'm a stuffing guy, dressing, whatever you want to call it, that's my go-to. Um, and I love gravy. Um, if, you know, you hopefully you can find the right kind of gravy. And then I love mashed potatoes. So what I do is I take uh, a little, uh, you know, roll I open the roll up, put the mashed potatoes, put the uh, dressing inside, sprinkle gravy on top. That's my sandwich. I love it. I could eat that every day. But then, of course, I'd probably be 25 pounds heavier. So um, I- I'm certainly looking to uh, indulge on Thursday, no doubt.
0: Yeah, and I'm starting to regret that question because I'm getting really hungry as we're still a day away <laughs> from
1: Thanksgiving. But, you know, well, I what's yours?
0: Take- no, I am with you on the mashed potatoes. Like that is the go-to for me. I can eat a whole plate of it. I can eat a whole tray of it. How much there is, I will take it down by myself. So that is what I'm looking forward to the most on Thanksgiving. So yes, I, I completely agree. And I'm going to have to get some rolls
1: myself now and make a,
0: make a Ben <laughs> Gulliver mashed potato dressing sandwich. I think that's going to sound
1: great on hey, Thanksgiving. Put it on the menu, put it on there the it menu is. down there on canal street. We're ready for it.
0: Absolutely. Ben Gulliver who covers the NBA for the Washington posting and follow him on Twitter at Ben Gulliver, and in case you didn't get, grab Bubble Ball, a great book on the bubble that happened, it seems like, forever ago, but really wasn't too (laughs) long ago um, as well. You can follow all of Ben's great work there on Twitter. And, uh, Ben, I will hopefully see you then on Monday. I really appreciate the time and enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday with your family.
1: It's my pleasure, man. Travel safe. Take care, and we'll talk soon.
0: There he goes, Ben Gulliver of The Washington Post, and that will do it for today's podcast, our only one of the week. As the Pelicans welcome in the Washington Wizards tonight inside the Smoothie King Center, tickets are still available. Bring the family. Have a nice Thanksgiving Eve night at the Smoothie King Center against Bradley Beal in the Wizards. The Pelicans owe them one. Remember, on the road, it was a 17-point comeback for the Wizards um, just a week ago, and hopefully the Pelicans can get some payback on them tonight, 7 p.m. Central. If you're not there, watch it with the family on Valley Sports New Orleans with Joel Myers, Antonio Daniels, and Jen Hale. And on the radio side, you can listen as well on ESPN New Orleans 100.3 FM with Todd Graffinini, John Chaser, and Aaron Summers. And keep an eye on some Black Friday deals as far as Pelicans gear is concerned with the Fanatics Team Shop. you don't want to miss any of the deals, you can log on to Pelicans.com or PelicansTeamStore.com to get all of that info. Again, no podcast on Friday. We're going to enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday. I'll be in Salt Lake City, Utah with the team to get you ready for Pelicans and Jazz. Remember, that's Friday and Saturday both at 8 p.m. Central, and then the Pelicans will wrap up the Thanksgiving road trip on Monday night. It's a late one, 9.30 p.m. Central in Los Angeles against the Clippers. Hope everyone has a safe and happy Thanksgiving holiday. Enjoy the time with friends and family, especially with the pandemic, and now is an opportunity to uh, be able to do so. So I really appreciate you all for listening throughout the season and hope you can continue doing so. Until next week. I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by C.